From west to east and kingdom to kingdom, you're listening to the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. Connecting with Walt is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hey there, hi there, ho there, and welcome to episode 261 of the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. I am your host and Diz historian, Michael Bowling, and I'm joined by my co-host and good friend, Mary Jo Mulatto Willie. Mary Jo, welcome back. Thank you, Michael. I'm so glad to be back talking with to you, and always fun to to chat with you about Disney. Absolutely, and you have I a good knowledge. So much. Oh. <laughs> oh, thank you. So, um, but and and I hear you're deep in the jungles of Adventureland. From, I from am. The birds, the, I hear the tiki birds. I haven't found Rosita here, but the others are making a lot of noise. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Well, to to kick off, um, Mary Jo, what is your favorite Disney thrill ride in any Disney oh, park? That is a that is such a good question. I've you know they have they have so many now, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm tempted to say that my favorite thrill ride is the one that I'm riding at the time because it's so much fun, you know, and I and I really thrill is such a good way to to explain it, and. Um, I recently went on hyperspace mountain with my brother at Disneyland and I had forgotten just how fun that attraction was. And I was, I was there. I could hardly wait to go back on it. And when I'm in Walt Disney world, I really love expedition Everest um, at animal kingdom. But if I have to pick one, I think today I'm going to go with the cosmic rewind at Epcot. That one totally caught me by surprise. I had this feeling of total wonder and enjoyment as I went on it because it was it was everything that I was not expecting because I never read um, any previews before I go and I like to go on them fresh. Then when I get off, then I read everything I can about it afterwards. But uh, I I thought I I was like oh this is like Space Mountain at Disneyland and then I found out it's nothing like Space Mountain at Disneyland. But yeah, right now that one is I would say is my favorite. Um. Of all the Disney parks, and what about you, Michael? What huh. I I don't know <laughs> if I'll ever experience Cosmic Rewind because I have heard of too many people who get sick, like really violently oh. ill, on that ride, and I get motion sickness. So that's why even Space Mountain is really hard for me to ride now. I have to be in the front row to feel the wind on my Got face, it. and Do and you even have then, to see the track also does that help ground you? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Closing my eyes doesn't help at all. And you sort of think, what's the point, you know? Yeah. So it, even on the Tron light cycle, even near the end, I was feeling queasy. And that's short. But the, I was in the, you know, Shanghai version. But um, I don't think I was locked in properly. I think I, I hadn't quite settled in to the vehicle when they locked it. And so oh, I, I think I might have been... <laughs> I might have been just a little off center or something like that for it. So I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I'll ride it when I go to the Magic Kingdom, but I will have motion sickness pills with me. But Cosmic Rewind, I don't know. 
If I could, if that might be you, something. Yeah. If, if do you have like a, a, a tinge of vertigo or something that that affects when you go on these types of attractions? I do get a little. I do get dizzy and a bit nauseous on some of yeah. them. Yeah. Then I I wouldn't recommend that that one for you because you get you you get swung around. I mean, it was wonderful. I felt like I was in space and and. I was only able to go on it one time so far, but oh my gosh. Yeah, it's, I wouldn't recommend it for you, but for people who don't get um, queasy when they go on these types of attractions, it's, it's a wonderful ride. Yeah. My favorite is one that a lot of people complain about because it is so uncomfortable. And that is the Matterhorn. That, that, wrong with the Matterhorn, in my opinion. Yeah, I love it. And but yeah, the, the it's bouncy. There's not enough padding on the seats. It's hard for me now to get in and out of those little bobsleds um, with any grace. But I love it. I just. What's your favorite you know, part of it? Um, I don't know if I have a favorite part. I just I love the experience. Of it. I, I think I like going down, going around all those curves, seeing the oh, Yeti, yeah. you know, and all that. I think that's my favorite part. But even when you're going up that long hill going up, just the anticipation and all that I find exciting. What's kind and of cool is about, you know, with that one, I mean, you and I remember back in the day, right? When you could see the skyway going through the mountain mm-hmm. above. So that in itself was thrilling. And then when they added the abominable snowman, and and then when they plussed it up again, so now like when you say when you go up, you see him behind the ice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that when is, it works, yeah. Well, when, yeah. <laughs> when the effect is working, yeah. We're, we're going to pretend everything is working. <laughs> it, it, it's pretty much worked for me. Every I've been really lucky um, that it's worked for me each time when I've when I've gone on it. But um, man, they did a good job plussing that right up. They did. They did. And um, it seems like they're constantly working on it. Sometimes it feels like it's down more than it's up. But I know they're sort of reconstructing it bit by bit. So I think um, when they uh, first opened it up, and I think they had a media event, and I was able to go. I think Craig went, I went, and we could ride the Matterhorn as many times as we want. We were going from one side to, we were like Fantasyland side, Tomorrowland side, Fantasyland mm-hmm. side. You know, I'm going to ride the front this time. I'm going to ride the back. That was wonderful. And I have enough cushion, so, uh, my own kind of cushion that I was fine. but i know a lot of people complain about their backs yeah next on that but i still just love it i think it's great get great views of the park oh nighttime is even better because it's so dark inside so i i prefer it at night summertime riding the matterhorn at nighttime is ideal Mm -hmm. to me it is. It is. I was at an event. I don't know what it was for. Where, yeah, it was. It was a hard ticket event. So there were very few people in the park, and yeah, and they had both sides of the Matterhorn open, and yeah, we could go from one side to the other, and it was just walk on. It oh, was great. Cool. Maybe yeah. it was an annual pass holder opening event. Maybe I don't, I don't know. know. I I don't remember what it was, but that's, it was great that's fun. Really cool. So, yeah. Well, with the recent closures of Splash Mountain at Disneyland and the Magic Kingdom for their transformations into Tiana's Bayou Adventure, we are revisiting our series on 
Disney Neverland, the Disney that never was, by taking a look at some of the mountains that were considered at one time for the Disney Mountain Range. Now, the Disney Mountain Range includes the Matterhorn, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, um, Space Mountain, Expedition Everest, uh, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, the Mysterious Island at Tokyo Disney Sea, and Splash Mountain still takes you to Br'er Rabbit's Laughing Place at Tokyo Disneyland. In other parks, roller coasters are simply looming, twisting, colorful metal tubing that have clever names, but little to no theming that contributes to the overall aesthetic of the park. The Disney Mountain Range are heavily themed roller coasters with an actual storyline that contributes to the theme and the story of the land they are within. Now, you may be surprised to learn that the Imagineers had plans to expand the Disney Mountain Range, and that is what we are going to explore in this segment of Disney Neverland. Our first stop is the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World. With the closure of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea Submarine Voyage attraction in 1994, Imagineers began to work on a new attraction for the Magic Kingdom. And ideas included new additions to the Disney Mountain Range called Fire Mountain and Villains Mountain, sometimes called Bald Mountain. Fire Mountain would be a combination of a standard roller coaster and a flying roller coaster, which meant at one point the ride would change from a track below guests to a track above, and the vehicles would have guests lying face down to give them the feeling of flying like a bird. In the beginning, Fire Mountain was to be built on the site of the 20,000 Leagues Lagoon and would continue the Jules Verne story by recreating the volcano from the film, and within it would be the roller coaster. It would start out as a standard coaster until the eruption within Volcania would cause the coaster to switch to the inverted track, causing guests to soar over lava before being rocketed out of the volcano and through the air. Guests would then be flying through and around the volcano before returning to the loading zone with guests sitting upright once again, leaving guests in the queue with no idea that they would be flying like Superman halfway through the attraction. Oh my gosh. That is so cool. (laughs) Yeah. So since you like coasters, what do do you think of this, Mary Jo? I, I, this, I would love, I think this would, when it, would have been one that our family would um, probably go on more than one time. I mean, to go from a tip, a normal roller coaster to 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 where you're um, suspended and and flying around, sort of. That's the, the feeling. Just sounds so cool. But then again, for those who've never been on it, that that element of surprise is pretty darn cool. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. So. And um, now this version of Fire Mountain would maintain its connection to the former 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea attraction and be the most advanced of all Disney roller coasters, combining two systems in a way that had never been done before. Now, Michael Eisner liked the concept of Fire Mountain but decided to make it a part of Adventureland at the site of Pirates of the Caribbean, and it would have been the weenie that drew guests deeper into that land. Some Disney executives were concerned that a volcano in Fantasyland would be out of place and thought it would fit in better with the Adventureland aesthetic. 
There was even consideration of making this attraction part of an Adventureland expansion with the mountain as a giant volcano themed to the upcoming film Atlantis, The Lost Empire. To get to Fire Mountain, guests would walk through a new passageway that would be built in Adventureland between Pirates of the Caribbean and the Jungle Cruise. Now, another location considered was between Splash Mountain and Pirates of the Caribbean. This queue would be themed as a camp set up by the film's Whitmore Enterprises, which was now giving tours of the world-famous sunken city of Atlantis. The ride would be a roller coaster that switched tracks halfway through, starting out as a typical journey before something goes terribly wrong when the volcano suddenly erupts. The mountain would belch smoke and flames throughout the day and be the new icon for Adventureland. The volcano wouldn't have been visible from any other areas of the park, but guests staying at the Polynesian Village Resort would have seen it looming on the horizon, and that would have fit in with that resort's theme. Construction was planned to begin in 2000, with a projected opening in October 2001 for the Magic Kingdom's 30th anniversary celebration, and only a few months after Atlantis was released to the theaters. The Imagineers floated a balloon to the height of the peak of where the mountain would be to test if it would be visible from Main Street, USA. Turned out it could not be viewed from Main Street, USA, but it was visible to the Polynesian Resort. So, Mary have you seen um, Atlantis, The Lost Empire, that film? Oh, yeah, we saw that. And actually, we enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And for a while at Disneyland, they had uh, characters from that. They, remember they had like um oh those you know those wind surfboards that you stand on and oh yes uh-huh. so so there was a uh, um, a photo op where you could stand next to the character and he had one of those so I was that for Treasure Planet though was that for Treasure Planet not I Atlantis. think it was oh, for Treasure you know Planet I, you're right I think I'm getting that mixed up with Atlantis Atlantis was the white haired girl with the big eyes mm-hmm. yeah we like we still liked it. Yeah, I just liked it. It wasn't a great film, but I enjoyed it. Sorry, I I don't understand why it it wasn't popular. It, I mean, it wasn't like you said the best, but it was still a good film. My kids still talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and well, and part of the problem too was that it it had a huge budget. So even if it did reasonably well in the theater, it was going to struggle to um, make back, you know, break even and then, um, you know, then make a profit because of the high budget. So rumors about Fire Mountain abounded in a 1998 article about the growing number of thrill rides in theme parks. The Orlando Business Journal wrote, Speculation is circulating about the next mountain at the Magic Kingdom, Fire Mountain. It would replace 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, which closed several years ago, and would feature a theme based on an upcoming Disney movie, Atlantists. Guests would feel like they were flying through the roller coaster as they make their way through Lava Lake and through the mountain. For the flying experience, guests would lie down facing the ground and would be suspended throughout the ride. Now, due to increasing costs, it was decided to make it a standard flying coaster with a track always above guests. 
The plan seems to have stalled since construction did not begin in 2000, which meant that Fire Mountain could not have opened in 2000 or 2002. When the film was released and proved to be unsuccessful at the box office, all plans for the film were put on hold or canceled. There is another theory as to why Fire Mountain was canceled. Fire Mountain would have been the start of a major expansion for the Magic Kingdom, which was a reaction to Universal Studios' opening of Islands of Adventure in 1999. However, the public's response to Universal's second theme park turned out not to be the threat Michael Eisner feared it would be. So there was no need to rush new projects. Due to a weakening economy and the costs of Euro Disneyland skyrocketing, the budget for park expansion was severely curtailed, resulting in insufficient budgets for the development and construction of Disney's California Adventure and the Walt Disney Studio Park in Paris. Well, we certainly saw the result at California Adventure. Oh, yes. (laughs) That was such a disappointing park. There were some elements that were nice, but overall, it was a disappointing park. And I, I've been to the Walt Disney Studio Park in Paris, and oh, it was like it was like a half day park at best. Oh wow! But but they were the the thing is they were starting to close things down for you know they're pouring money into it now the way they did um, for California Adventure in order to yeah. make it a worthy second gate. Yeah, I love California Adventure right now. So, um, and and I don't know if it's just I can't call it lack of foresight, but it's 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 a shame that the decisions they make to pull back um, on on expanding the park or or putting in attractions like this because I think they they end up paying for themselves. You know, oh, it ends up costing them more to. To, right. you know, fix their mistakes. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I enjoy California Adventure now, but um, for me, it's it's not a full day park. So, um, you know, but I do like that it has all the cultural um, celebrations. And oh, all yeah. That at, it at depends who I'm with. With some people, it's not a full day park. But then I go with other you know, cousins, other family members and friends. And we spend the whole day and they love California adventure (laughs) and, and we're exploring every nook and cranny. And to me, that's so much fun to do. You know, you get to see it from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. Maybe I would like it more. Yeah. If I, if I spent the day with Mm -hmm. people and got a little more daring and went on a couple of the rides (laughs) that I, I avoid. I mean, even like, Tomater, right? That that attraction, mm-hmm. it doesn't look like much, but man, you go on it and it's so much fun. Oh, it is. It is. Oh, mm-hmm. I like both of the attractions, Radiator Springs. Yeah. And uh, yeah, well, three, there's three of them. But the right. lines are so long for Radiator Springs racers that I rarely go on it. Yeah, so, we, um, uh, we went on a crowded day and we did single rider. We didn't have to ride together mm-hmm. and it was pretty decent. So... Yeah. It depends on the group you're going with and stuff like that. But I just think if they had put Fire Mountain, especially I think Adventureland would have been such a the perfect place for it at the Magic Kingdom. Um, it, it would have 
um, they may not have seen that the lack of crowds or the, the Universal Studios attractions as a threat, but it sure would um, make the parks more, even more beloved, you know, with, with these types of attractions. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's a shame it wasn't built. And if there really was a plan to delay Fire Mountain to a later year, the terrorist attacks against the United States on September 11, 2001, put a stop to it. The United States was pushed deeper into a recession, park attendance dropped significantly, and many projects were canceled. The area in Adventureland where Fire Mountain would have stood is still undeveloped. The former 20,000 Leagues Lagoon site was drained in 2004 and became the site of Pooh's Playful Spot, a play area for young children, before it was swept away by New Fantasyland and the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train attraction that filled the need for a thrill ride in Fantasyland. Now, if you'd like to get an idea of what Fire Mountain might have looked like, visit Tokyo Disney Sea. The centerpiece of the park is a large volcano inside of which is the area of Mysterious Island. It holds two attractions within the caldera of this Jules Verne-themed land. There's a version of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea that has an entirely different ride system than the submarine voyages of Disneyland and the Magic Kingdom, but it has a similar storyline. The other attraction, Journey to the Center of the Earth, is not a roller coaster, but its storyline may sound a bit familiar to you. Guests board vehicles for an adventure deep into the Earth when suddenly everything goes terribly wrong. The volcano erupts and your vehicle suddenly lurches forward at high speed and rockets out of the side of the mountain. After you've recovered from your perilous journey, you can enjoy lunch at the only table service restaurant in the caldera. A little restaurant carved into the side of the volcano and called Volcania. Throughout the day and evening, you can hear the volcano erupting and billowing flame and smoke into the sky. It's so dramatic at night. Oh, when I you, bet. When you see the, the flames and all that coming up. And I'm so happy that this is at Tokyo Disneyland because there they put the money into keeping attractions, you know, updated and working because I think that effect would have been turned off by now (laughs) if it were at one of the North American parks. Unfortunately, right. Mm -hmm. Um, I think this is probably because of, of attractions or or lands like what they have here at Tokyo Seas is probably why it's rated as, as one of the top, if not the top Disney park, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sounds wonderful. So it the, is. Is it like a so the the volcano there? Is it oh, like yeah. the entrance to a land? Is that what it is? And is this? It is. Movie? Wow. It is. When you walk in, remember the film Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, uh-huh. when Nemo goes back to his um, like his home port, and and they go through, and there's it's it's like a big lake or something, and the volcano. It's right. it's it's like that. Wow. And they even have um, the Nautilus in the lake there. I've seen pictures of that. Yeah. But that's that's all I've seen. I, I know very little about it. Kelly's going um, in November. So that's – and she, they can only go to one park. So they're going to Dis- Disney Sea, of course. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, that's the most unusual park. So that's the one. that I would say if I could only go to one, that would be it. Right. So there. But so, I mean – 
20,000 Leagues Under the Sea was done so long ago. The fact that Atlantis really didn't, you know, wasn't a hit, I don't think that really matters when it comes to the attractions. Um, Disney gets really criticized for using IP, which personally I don't understand why, because that's part, to me, that's what makes it Disney. Mm-hmm. But I, I think if they had put in this Fire Mountain based on Atlantis, it still would have been fine. And if they, if they put it in now, um, Based on any other film, I think it would. Oh my gosh, it would be awesome. If they oh, I agree. <laughs> yes, yeah, I agree. I, I think this would have been a cool attraction, and you know, probably basing it on Atlantis, it would have. Um, maybe it would have made that film more popular. But I remember, there was a plan to theme the uh, submarine voyage at Disneyland to Atlantis, and then when the film failed, it. Um, you know, the plans are dropped. Oh, I didn't know about that. Yeah, yeah. It was going to be interesting. It was even, there was even in one of the concepts, and Tony Baxter worked on it. He, um, we would have actually, when we got to Atlantis, we would have gotten out of the submarine, walked around, and then got back in and continued on our merry way. That would have been awesome. Wouldn't that have been amazing? Yeah, it would have been uh, slow, mm -hmm. slow loading, but you know, because you're walking around in 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 Atlantis. Mm -hmm. But wow, that would have been super cool. Yeah, it's an interesting concept, interesting idea. But I'm just happy they reopened it, and even if it is with Nemo. So even though Fire Mountain was never built, there are occasional rumors of this project being resurrected. Um, most recently, there was a rumor of it being built with a Moana theme, centering, centering around Te Ka. I think that's how you pronounce it. So, so that, that is Fire Mountain. So at the same time Fire Mountain was being developed, the Imagineers were working on another mountain concept for Fantasyland in the same area as the 20,000 Leagues Lagoon. According to reports, Villains Mountain, sometimes called Bald Mountain, was going to be either a roller coaster or a flume-based ride like Splash Mountain. The exterior of the mountain would be based on the Night on Bald Mountain segment from the Disney film Fantasia. Guests would board long boats modeled after Hades boats in a Disney animated feature Hercules and be taken through different villains' lairs with audio animatronic villains singing or talking their way through the scenes. One storyline of the attraction involves several villains who are gathering to plot to take over the Magic Kingdom and they're choosing the most evil villain to lead the charge. In another storyline, it was just a journey through various villain scenes that included the evil queen in her laboratory, Ursula over her cauldron, and Maleficent gloating about her victory over Briar Rose and her kingdom. And, uh, and there'd be other villains as well, before reaching the most frightening villain of all, Chernabog from Fantasia. He would unfold his wings and menace guests with little demons of fire dancing all around him. Guests would then be attacked by various villains, and the only way to escape would be a long way down with the boats plummeting down a long flume drop to safely escape all the villains. 
A storyline for the roller coaster of this attraction was never developed. And that leads me to believe the flume version was the only one seriously considered. So what do you think of this one? I love that idea. I'm, I don't consider myself a, a villain fan, but I know that there are a lot of villain fans out there Mm -hmm. and I, I could just imagine people going on this ride. I would love it. I, I, I love the concept. Mm-hmm. Um, I do too. The the Disney Imagineers, uh, there's other parks that do, that have done attractions really well, really well, but I don't think anyone compares to the Disney Imagineers. And the opportunity to come up with this would be pretty darn spectacular. Guy, I hope, I hope they're still talking about it and they, and they bring something like this and i in my mind right now i'm having the 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 music that that chernabog and bald mountain that mm-hmm. music is and i could just is uh playing in my mind right now and i'm just imagining like a crescendo of of um this music playing as you're going along my blood is and adrenaline's pumping right now just thinking about it i know <laughs> chernabog's chernabog's my favorite villain Really? Even though he's only there for a few moments in the Night on Bald Mountain sequence, um, I just love him because he's he scared me as a, as a little boy. Because yeah. that's a frightening scene with yeah. all the images of the spirits and skeletons flying and uh, uh, you know and through the air, and it was a little uh, racy too. And um, I, I just thought, you know, because he's the he's the devil, and this the concept of Satan and the devil and all that frightens me, even as an adult. And oh, yeah. so, um, <laughs> I just I love Chernabog. Uh, I just he just seems like the epitome of evil, you know. And I would love to see how they would, you know, as you as you uh, plummet down the flume, right to to save what Disney would have to show us that we're in a safe place, that we escape the villains, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I think that would be, that would be so, really cool. So if you were the decision maker and only one of these mountains could be built, oh. either fire mountain or the villains mountain, which would you green light? I kind of think the villain's mountain and the reason why is because when you're on a roller coaster, you're going really fast. Um, I think you could take in the, if, you know, if they, when they do it right, I, I would want to be sitting down to take in the scenery and everything that, that would be around me, um, on the, on the flume ride. Man, that's a I, tough yeah. one though, because Fire Mountain is so, so cool too. So what, would, what would you pick? Uh, it would be it would be Villains Mountain. I, I just think seeing all these villains, you know, in this creepy setting, all that, I just think that would be wonderful. This would be an attraction to ride at night. Oh my too. gosh! Yeah. So, um, and, and it's and then imagine at Halloween, just how popular it would be. But I I, I would go with Villains Mountain. So. I'm just thinking how much fun the Imagineers would have design, really designing it and building it because you know, they, they're not going to have these villains next to each other. You, you have to see mm-hmm. the, they have to set up the scene and you go into them and it has to flow 
um, the storyline has to flow. So I, I just think this would be such an awesome attraction. Oh, yeah. I think it'd be so many great details in there oh, that yeah. would harken back to the different films they were in. I yep. think it, I think it would be great. Now, several versions of this attraction have been pitched, just as I mentioned, as a standalone attraction serving as a weenie to bring guests deeper into Fantasyland. It's also pitched as part of a land called Villain's Land or Villain's Lair, and it would be included with other attractions. And it's also been pitched as part of a whole Villain's-themed theme park named Shadowlands or Dark Kingdom. So seeing the popularity of Disney villains based on merchandise sales, Disney executives lean toward developing a standalone villains theme park as opposed to just the marquee attraction version in Fantasyland. And excitement over this concept was resurrected at the D23 Expo when Josh DeMauro shared some blue sky ideas for the area beyond Big Thunder Mountain Railroad that included a villains themed land. Oh, I remember when he was, when he brought that up and the, and how, you know, the audience just this, um, slight gas, right? They were all excited. Mm-hmm. Well, not they, we were, we're all excited. You know, Disneyland's talking about expanding across the street and this would be so perfect for the um, Disneyland forward. Yeah. Th- this yeah. would be great. I'm worried they're just going to copy some of the um, lands that they're building in Hong Kong and Shanghai and Tokyo. So uh, because, you know, then they for for accounting reasons and all that. And uh, but it would be wonderful if they built a villains themed section as well. We need a visionary to send the accountants over to New York to go sign papers or do something and then, you know, <laughs> get, and uh, green light some of these, these uh, plans because that would really um, improve. Well, Disneyland, I mean, it's hard to improve Disneyland, but it would really be a, a wonderful addition. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to keep people coming back, they need to continually yeah. expand that park. Yeah. And land is limited. This so would be such a coup. It would be. And, and and the Disneyland Forward project is something I'm very excited about. I hope I live long enough to see it built. Yeah. <laughs> because you know how long it takes them to do anything. Right. <laughs> but we're now going to hop on the monorail to travel from the Magic Kingdom to Epcot for our next mountain exploration. Since the opening of Epcot Center, there have been rumors and plans to add a scale replica of Mount Fuji to the World Showcase Japan Pavilion. The original model of World Showcase had a model of a huge snow-capped mountain behind the Japanese pavilion. Other attractions planned for the pavilion included Meet the World, a Carousel of Progress-style attraction that showed Japanese history and culture. It was built at Tokyo Disneyland, but scrapped for Epcot Center due to the way the attraction, you know, skimmed over World War II. Um, Another attraction considered was a bullet train simulator taking guests through the Japanese countryside. The Mount Fuji attraction was never given an official name, but was designed to be a tubular roller coaster similar to Disneyland's Matterhorn, in which guests would weave inside and outside the mountain whilst encountering characters from Japanese folklore 
and might have included an encounter with Godzilla, the king of the monsters, who Disney would have had to license from the Toho Corporation. Now, I've also read some accounts reporting Godzilla would appear in the bullet train simulator. Now, this attraction would have also blocked the visual intrusion of the Swan and Dolphin hotels from the park. But this attraction was cut due to budget constraints. There is a popular urban legend that Kodak Film blocked the development of this attraction since the mountain's name was the same as Kodak's main competitor, Fuji Film. However, there is no evidence this is true. I would hope that wouldn't be. I mean, it's it's, it's a mountain, so. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I would have, uh, you know, Godzilla is very popular, but I would have to go for Giant Robot. Man, if they had the attraction <laughs> and had Giant Robot there, my, my childhood heart would have been overflowing. Oh, that's do, funny. <laughs> do you think that, that either, that either, um, the mountain or the bullet train would are still in talks. I've not heard anything. The show building was built for Meet the World, and apparently, it's being used for um, like storage. <laughs> so, oh. but uh, but um, yeah, I've not heard that they're discussing this. But it would be a wonderful addition to oh the my park. Gosh, yeah. Another thrill ride on the other side of the park, because all the attractions tend to be sort of on one side of the park. So, um, and we need more than you know. I I'm sorry, but the um, the video rides. Oh, and the films. They're fun. Yeah, the films. They're no, no. The films that they have at at World Showcase. I love those because I love. Mm -hmm. It gives us a glimpse into the culture of the of World Showcase, but. It, one of my complaints about Universal Studios is just about every attraction is, you know, film based. You're, you're yes. kind of sedentary. And I really like the idea of where they actually move, you know, and at Universal Studios, when you go from Islands of Adventure to Universal Studios and you're on the Hogwarts Express, having something similar to that in, in the, as, as the bullet train with these scenes and stuff, I would be so cool. Mm-hmm. And it would be something the whole family could enjoy. I love the ideas of thrill rides. I'm a thrill ride junkie, but I think it's also very important to have the attractions that everybody in the family can go on. I agree with you. I agree with you. And, and you know, I'm hoping that Disney is in whatever their future plans are. It's a balance between the thrill rides and then more family friendly attractions. Yeah. And oldster attract friendly attractions too. <laughs> <laughs> Now, believe it or not, another mountain was considered as part of a planned Switzerland pavilion. This pavilion would have been located between Germany and Italy, and the East Coast version of the Matterhorn would have been the primary attraction for this pavilion. But this version would be a slightly more elaborate version of Disneyland's original bobsled roller coaster. But negotiations with the Swiss government fell through in 1987, and with Disney unable to secure a commercial sponsorship to help fund the pavilion, the Switzerland pavilion was never built. Today, it seems surprising that the Imagineers planned for two mountain-themed roller coasters in Epcot Center on either side of the American Adventure Pavilion. But these projects were announced as part of the Disney decade of the 1990s. 
And if built, they would have had a significant impact on the World Showcase skyline and provided two e-ticket level attractions to the park. So two mountains might have been overkill. <laughs> I think I two think. mountains would be overkill. I like yeah. bullet train for for the Japan Pavilion, mm-hmm. and then the Swiss one to have the the mountain because, man, talk about the Matterhorn in a Swiss Pavilion. That'd be pretty pretty awesome. That would be, and it, it's a shame now that uh, you know I don't know if they're ever going to get another country, you know, a new a new pavilion in there because countries just aren't sponsoring things like they did back in the seventies, you know, sixties and seventies. So, you know, know they're not, I just love the concept of world showcase. And when you on paper, it doesn't sound like much, but when you're actually there going from, from um, country to country, you know, and, and going in the, even the shops, talking to the people, uh, tasting, eating, you know, trying the food and stuff. Um, I just love that section of Epcot. Um, yeah, I th- I prefer World Showcase. I think over whatever they're calling all those other lands now, <laughs> Future World, whatever the it not, is. Yeah, the not but, so Future World. Yeah, <laughs> but but no, you know now it's what Discovery and yeah. you know, I'll never remember them. But, but I I love that section know. too. There, I mean, I don't want to derail this, but. I mean, all of Epcot is good, but it's it's like two parks in one, right? The- oh, it is. It, it originally it was. It was they were cons- there were two separate parks, and then when they there's a famous uh, famous story about when they they needed to make the pitch to okay, which park are we going to build? Marty Scar literally took the two models, pushed them together, and said. Here's the park. This is what we're going to pitch. Wow. I never <laughs> so, knew that. Yeah. So, anyway. But, yeah. But these are all just, you know, wonderful, wonderful concepts. And I hope that, you know, at least one or two of them someday would be built. Yeah. You know, somewhere. But, but Walt Disney once said... Disneyland is like Alice stepping through the looking glass. To step through the portals of Disneyland will be like entering another world. So the Disney mountain range allows us to experience adventures and thrills unlike those at other parks. These projects, if built, would have provided us with more opportunities to enter the worlds of Disney films and adventurous thrills set on the horizons of other countries. But now it's time for This Week in Disney History. Okay, Mary Jo, I know you, um, you're going first this time, since I went first last time you were on the show. So what do you have for us today? Okay, well, you know, the month of July, there were so many, um, so much was happening throughout the years in this month at, at, at Disneyland and Walt Disney World and other Disney parks. But I chose July 2nd, 1967, because this made a huge impact on young Mary Jo. And it's the year that the Disneyland's rocket jets, Flight to the Moon, People Mover, the General Electric, Carousel of Progress, and the Tomorrowland Terrace restaurant all opened when they updated Tomorrowland. And I was seven years old when that was happening. And I just remember 
that in those days, Tomorrowland was almost one of my favorite lands because of everything that was going, going on. You know, the rocket jets, they said it's a, it was, um, 12 rockets that, you know, two people could sit and it was kind of like the old Matterhorn where you sat in the person's lap. I guess Dumbo, Dumbo's like that, right? Dumbo's not side by side. It's the person sits in the other person's lap in it. Oh, it holds, it holds two people and yeah. maybe a child. Yeah. Okay. And, and I just remember it's uh, up above where it used to be and, and you felt like you were flying mm-hmm. um, up in that and, and you'd go up the escalator to, not the escalator, you took the elevator to get to the rockets, but then you would take this ramp, this moving ramp to take you to the people mover that never stopped. And so that was pretty futuristic. And we would go through all the attractions and, and, um, it was always fun to see the people waiting for the, for, um, the, uh, oh my gosh, the carousel of, not carousel of progress, circle vision. Oh, okay. Circle see the vision. People yeah. Waiting in, yeah. Circle vision in the shops. And, and you would, do you remember seeing the, the, in Space Mountain, the rockets zooming by because it was fluorescent. Uh, their sides. Oh were yeah, fluorescent. when the windows so, were there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, when the windows were there, and so all of that was just so much fun. And then they had, I think I already told you, flight to the moon. Uh, it was actually, um, yeah, flight to the moon. I actually thought we were leaving Earth because I was so young and gullible that all, there was just such a sense of wonder in this time of and Tomorrowland. So I agree. I was 11 when it opened and I just thought it was the most amazing place because there was so much going on. There was so much to do in a really small area. And you think about how everything was layered. We actually, in episode 260, we brought over uh, an episode from the Disneyland show where we, I talk about the construction of the 1967 Tomorrowland. So right, um, and I and I listened to that. It just it made such a big impact on on mm-hmm. on my family and especially me when when we would go. And they had those wonderful Mary Blair murals. Yes, as well. The the and one of them you could see really well when you rode the People Mover, and so that was always a treat to look at those murals in detail as yeah. you <clears throat> sort of bounced along. Yeah, there was so much going on there, and it was also a beautiful, and, you know, in those days, it was fresh, and, you know, that also, it's when the uh, Tomorrowland Terrace Restaurant opened up, and you had that stage that would, mm-hmm. it was sunken, and then it would it would lift up, and you'd see the band playing music as it would rise, you know, to floor level, and people would dance, and it was just such, such, so much fun. So, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, because yeah, at night it, it, t- it took on a whole different life there because they would exactly. have bands there and, and, and dances and all that. Yeah, they don't do that kind of stuff anymore. They don't. It was. I just remember when I was a a young kid, I could hardly wait till I was eighteen, and in my mind, you know, go to Disneyland and dance with my friends at the Tomorrowland Terrace. That was mm-hmm. such a a big thing. Yep, I they agree. Had good bands. Oh, they did. They did. Sometimes they were big name bands too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, now it's DJs. Oh. Yeah. Uh, oh well. 
<laughs> well, you know, mine is also July 2nd, but it's 1956. This is oh. when the Rainbow Caverns Mine Train attraction began to operate in Disneyland's New Living Desert. And we talked about this a, a few episodes back, I think, with Luella. And yes. the whole history of Disneyland's Mine Train to Nature's Wonderland. So in 1960, the Mine Train attraction will be upgraded to become the Mine Train through Nature's Wonderland. And so that's not only that I remember going on. Yeah, I loved this attraction so much. And, um, you know, Luella and I were talking how it's a shame it couldn't have survived as they maybe updated the animatronics and gags and definitely changed the spiel. But, um, I think it could have survived, you know, yeah. today, but. Well, in, in those days too, Frontierland just seemed so big. Uh-huh. Um, and, and that attraction, you just saw so much when you went on it. And I remember the spinning rock, the towers of rocks that were spinning. And I remember the bears. I remember the bobcat. Um, there's, that was just so cool. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. It, it was terrific. So, Folks, if you didn't listen to that episode, um, it's I think it's episode two fifty nine. You uh, might want to go and check it out and uh, yeah. take a ride on the mine train. And then in episode <laughs> two sixty, go to to Tomorrowland of nineteen sixty seven. So anyway, well, you probably heard Mary Jo that the uh, the big Diz Unplugged Dreams Unlimited Travel event in from August 4th through the 6th has gone through a significant change. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Leave it to John to, to, to get a good result out of something that, you know, um, was going to be such a big disappointment to this yeah. event. When Craig and I talked about it last week, you know, we were speculating, Oh, what would it be? I said, maybe that they'll open up adventures campus to us. And Craig thought, Oh, no way. He was hoping more for maybe a world of color, uh, you oh, know, I remember um, that. showing I, and all I that. I didn't even think but, they would do that. I was thinking they would do maybe Goofy Sky School, yeah. you know, which would have been two roller coasters, right? And, and um, yeah, yeah, I, or something idea. or something else along that walkway, yeah. those spinning silver rockets or, or you know, something like that. But, um. <laughs> But Avengers Campus, I think people are going to be pretty excited about this. So, um, anyway, so on August 4th is we still will have a private reception at California Adventure from 9 to 11.30 p.m. But where exactly has not been announced yet? Because the one thing is, is Avengers Campus isn't huge. So, you know, it's going to be a little more crowded with um, folks than where we all would have been the, spread out and picks up here. Hyperion Theater. Mike, yeah, that know? eating area there. That eating area. That's what I was ideal. thinking. Yeah. That's what I was thinking too. And it's cater it in like they would have anyway. And then from 1130 to 1 a.m. is the private Avengers campus party. So, and you can enjoy unlimited rides on Web Slingers, a Spider Man adventure, uh, and Guardians of the Galaxy mission breakout. So, you know, I'm going to have to break down and go on this. I don't like it. I think because I don't like dropping. But I know we're perfectly safe. So yeah. I'm just going to have to do it. I, I hope so because the, the you know, it, they have, I think, six different songs. Mm-hmm. And 
and there are different drop sequences. There are different scenery that you see on it. So that in itself, Kel- I asked Kelly if she got her email and she said, oh yeah, she, she said she responded immediately and said, that's two very strong yeses for the Avengers campus. So now they're th- talking about getting dressed up for it. They have, oh, wow. you, know those, you know, web slingers, they have those Iron Man and they have some other like those, um, gloves that kind of enhance how you play the game right taking those they are so excited about it. oh that's good yeah so i think a lot of people be excited about this because the the waiting lines for these are usually pretty long during the day and here you know be a limited number of people you'll be able to go on these as many times as you want yeah and, and for the for the web slingers oh my gosh the opportunity to um there's so many, so much you can do over there. You can, if you whip your web around, you can pull these, they're like moving carts that are up on t- uh, above. You mm-hmm. can pull that and knock all that down. Just oh. so this will give people the opportunity to figure out strategies on how to, how to uh, kill those spider bots. Yeah. I've only been on it once. And I loved it. So I'm yeah. looking forward to being able to go back on this multiple times and sort of figure it out. Yeah. So and if, and there will also be special guests. So we will we will see who that is. But hopefully it'll be some of the Avengers might drop in. I'm hoping. That would be cool. And so we will have to see. That would be nice since I don't like waiting in line to see them. And, and you then know, they uh, have a really cool. Well, just really quick, they have a really mm-hmm. cool uh, photo spot there. Where if if for those who've never been to Adventures Campus that are going. There's this area where they have a checkered floor. And if you stand in the right spot, it looks like you're sinking down from the, the perspective. When you take a photo um, of the person, I'm sure there'll be people doing it. Those are cool photo, cool photo opportunities. Do you know what I'm talking about, Michael? Um, I don't know because I don't spend a lot of time in Avengers Campus. Okay. Next time you so. come to Disneyland, I'm going to sh- show you some of these things. But okay. There's, there's uh, so many cool um Easter eggs there too. There's over by Web Slingers, you're, you'll see, I think it's um like a water spout coming out of the building and it says gamma. Mm-hmm. And then if you look at the tree next to it, it's when it's a, it's a sl- kind of a slim tree, but it, the bottom of it is bulges out. So you can imagine if gamma water had gamma infected water had come out that it would make this tree bulge, but it's all natural. So they do these little Easter eggs throughout the land that are really cool um, if you pay attention. Hmm, so okay. Great. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Cool. I'm excited yeah, for everybody who's going. Yeah. I think it'll be a lot of fun. So, and then on August 5th, there will be the live podcasts at Disney's um, California um, Resort and Grand Californian Resort and Spa. And the time hasn't been announced yet. Or the, the logistics for that. But in order to attend both the party and the podcast, you'll, you have to buy a ticket to the party and tickets are $125. Of course, you're not obligated to go to the podcast if you're not really into it, but, and just go to the party. And, um, and then I think, and then on the six, there may be some, you know, opportunities to meet um, different podcast team members and all that as well. So anyway, and also you can, if you're thinking, oh, now I want to go because this is an adventures campus, which is, you know, they don't have this at 
Walt Disney World. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can also block, uh, we, we have a book of, we've blocked a book of rooms, uh, blocked a, I don't know, a bunch of rooms, however you say it. I'm not a travel agent, clearly, <laughs> at, um, at the Grand Californian and Disneyland um, Hotel. So if you, um, cont- if you have a Dreams Unlimited travel agent, reach out to them and you can book, um, a, you know, rooms there, or you can contact John at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com and he can make that magic happen for you. So, cause we have, um, group rates for, um, those hotels, which is nice. So, um, anyway, so that's it for the Diz event. I'm looking forward to seeing folks, um, there. You're so, staying on site, right, Michael? I am. I'm at the Grand Californian. Okay. Yeah. Kelly and Jeremy are staying at the Disneyland hotel. And they, I mean, they had good rates. They, they booked through dreams unlimited. So mm-hmm. I, I'm a DVC member. So ah. the minute I got wind of this, <laughs> that something was happening. And then when I realized, Oh, there's a backstage magic happening this summer. I was sure the event was going to be right after the backstage magic mm-hmm. tour. And so I booked a villa right away. Smart and I, it paid off for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Mary Jo, I saw on Facebook that you saw Elemental. What do you? What did you think of that film? You know, I went to the. I I uh, had an opportunity. I to go to the movies, and I was like, I was going to go see The Flash, and then I saw Elemental was playing, and I really didn't have too many. Um, high expectations about the movie, but I thought it's a Disney animated feature. I'm going to go see it. So I went and I saw it. I loved it. I thought this was such a good story um, as well as beautiful. I forgot that it was Pixar, um, but I just really enjoyed the, the entire movie. I laughed and I cried in it. So did you see the movie? I did. I saw the flash too. But, uh, but yeah, I did. I, I thought it was okay. Um, I, I might have enjoyed it a little less than you did. And I know it's all metaphors for like people coming to Ellis Island and, you know, sort of the prejudice people have had against immigrants and, um, all, you know, and also interracial marriage and all that. So I thought that's fine. Uh, I know some people were upset because they heard there was a non-binary character in it. I don't know which character it was. Because I have, that, I've read that too. I have, I have no idea. I have no idea. If, you know, so I don't know where that story came from or I just really missed it. So, so it must have been something fleeting that didn't register with me. Well, I think what's kind but, of cool is that it didn't matter, right? It was just mm-hmm. another character in the film. So yeah, but, the fact that they had a non-binary character in the film, but attention wasn't drawn to that character, kudos yeah, to them except, for the way they portrayed that. Except I'm not sure if they had one oh, in the film, yeah. to be quite honest with you. Yeah. I have no idea. Because, like I said, I didn't, I didn't hear any reference to it. I didn't hear somebody say, I'm non-binary. Yeah. Or anything like that. So I don't know where that story originated from. I, you know, and I remember when they, when they discussed it at, at I, I think they had, they didn't have good enough marketing for this film. I agree with I you. A lot of people didn't know the film had even opened. Yeah. That I talked to. And when they talked about it at, at D23, they were focused on 
on how Pixar was trying to portray something made of fire rather than something being fire and the same thing, something made of water. And, and so I was like, well, that's, that's kind of cool, but there was so much more to the story. And, and I remember that it was, um, uh, the, I don't know if he's the director or the writer, but whoever, you know, put this, this film out that based on his own experiences growing up. And I forgot all about that because I was caught up in the story itself. And I was Mm -hmm. wondering how the heck are, are these, these, uh, two characters that are so different and, um, one can snuff the other out and the other, you know, just how, how they were, how the heck were they going to get together? And it was magical, right? It's, it was just, I just thought it was just really well done. Yeah. I liked it. You know, I'm not excited about it. I'd watch it again. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, I, I, you know, I think it deserved to do better at the box office than it yeah. is doing. Since it's a it good does, family uh, flick for sure. Yeah, I'm not sure how much really young children would enjoy it. Because I was in a theater that had a lot of young children, and I'm not sure how much they got into it. So, um, you know, these are really little kids. We're talking like five, six years old. Okay. I think maybe a slightly older child might, you know, enjoy it a little more. So, um, but anyway, but yeah, that is elemental. So now all our hopes are on Wish that that is yeah. going to be a blockbuster for them because Disney needs a blockbuster. Yes. So right now, I'm so. I'm hoping. Um, I try like I I try not to see too many trailers and stuff. Can't help it when you go to a Disney movie. But from what I see, it looks like it's going to be good. I love um, Debo's. Uh, I forget her name. The, the the main character. Oh, I have no idea. Um, I didn't know she had a name. <laughs> I, I call her the, bu- the she's the bullet in Hamilton. <laughs> That's oh, okay. Her. But and, and she also played Anita in West Side Story. Oh, okay. I know and, who you mean. Yeah, so she's she's the one that sang at at D twenty three, and she's the main character in this in this movie. So the main um, voice actor, you mean? Main voice actress. Yeah. Okay. But um, okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm hoping that it's going to be a, a beautiful story that that becomes a classic. Yeah, and, and that's what they need. So I'm hoping they're going back to their storytelling roots, you know, mm-hmm. w- with this exactly. one. So, um, but, but you know, because I, I, I like to, I go to movies. I, I, I decided now Friday night is like my movie night where I'll go to the, if there's something in the theater, I'll go because I have um, Regal Unlimited. Pass. Oh, I can cool. go as many times as I want. So, so it's forcing me to see movies maybe I wouldn't have normally seen. You know, there's one. Tra- I I am so embarrassed to say this, uh, but one trailer I always laugh at, and I've seen it like half a dozen times. It's the Barbie one. Have you seen the Barbie movie <laughs> yeah, trailer? I'm gonna, it I'm gonna looks, go watch it. <laughs> it looks hilarious. Yeah, I think and it's I Robbie and and. Um- Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling Mm -hmm. in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and I thought, okay, but I think I would go to this and it would be me and a bunch of little girls and their parents. Yeah. uh, I have the AMC, um, unlimited, you know, the, the AMC Mm -hmm. pass or whatever. So I'm definitely going to see it. It's like you said, it's funny when her feels, feels her feet go flat, you know, instead. Yeah. 
And the the brief musical numbers they showed look great. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't know. I may end up going to see that movie. <laughs> I don't know. I have tickets for Indiana Jones, um, the new uh, one. This yeah, I'm going to see that on July 1st is when we're going. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I'm so. going to see it Saturday. You're going to see it Friday. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, for Regal, I got a free upgrade to um, to see it in IMAX. Oh, oh my gosh. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So they did that for me for another film. I saw it might have been Guardians of the Galaxy. It was either Guardians of the Galaxy or The Flash. I can't remember which. So um, anyway. I think Dina and I saw that one in Dolby. Mm-hmm. And it was it was so good. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so I hope I hope Indiana Jones is better than what the uh some of the pre reviews are saying uh about it. So I hope so. so- he so said Major, it's his last film. So. Oh well, I would think so. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, he's going to have to be in a walker or a wheelchair or something <laughs> like that. So, um, but uh, anyway, so have you been to Disneyland recently? Anything interesting going on there? I haven't been. I um, I had a, a a little operation, so I've kind of been home homebound recuperating, but. I have, uh, I'm going twice in July because I was like, okay, it's, it's been quite for me sometimes since I've been to Disneyland and I really need to go get my Disneyland fix. So I'm going one Friday to starting in Disneyland and the next Friday that I'm going, I'm starting in California Adventure and I'm just going to go play and explore in the parks. Really looking forward to it. Oh, good. Well, you'll have to report back later on on what's going on there. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen the fireworks show yet, the uh, Wondrous Journeys. Mm -hmm. So I I saw the projections, and and they were nice, but it's nothing – it's nothing like seeing that the fireworks with the projections, seeing that show. I agree. And you'll have to see um, the the, uh, the, – What's it called? Rogers, the musical. Oh, definitely. Uh, I I think that they're talking about uh, we can get vir- get in the virtual queue. Mm-hmm. I will be seeing that for sure. Yeah, I want to see that when I'm out there. So, I hope they extend it. I'm a little surprised they're only running it through the summer. I was but- surprised to hear that also. Well, maybe if it gets some um, good response. Yeah, um, maybe they make a lot of money on those um, special tickets where you pay twenty nine dollars to see it. Maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe that'll inspire them to keep it going. Yeah, well, they're, they're going to start a few <laughs> times a day. I, I'll just stand in line with the other plebeians. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> All right. Well, I used several resources when um, researching this episode as a book. I used um, The Walt Disney World That Never Was by Christopher E. Smith. Some websites and articles included Disney Extinct Attractions, Fire Mountain, and Bald Mountain by Cole Juryak. And I apologize if I'm mispronouncing the name. Um, That was for Laughing Place. The Disney Wiki on Fire Mountain, Going Down in Flames, The Story of Atlantis, Fire Mountain at the Magic Kingdom by Jessica Figueroa for Walt Disney World News Today. Um, also, Disney Lost Rides, Fire Mountain, The Innovative Roller Coaster That Never Was by Garrett Martin. Fire Mountain, Never Built Magic Kingdom for Theme Parks and Entertainment. Uh, 
The World That Never Was, Fire Mountain by Josh Taylor for WDW Radio. Epcot's Never Built Mountain Rides at Walt Disney World by an unofficial net. Disney had plans for a villain's ride that never happened, but might still be in the works. That has to be one of the longest titles for an article ever (laughs) by Samuel Santiago for Macabre Daily. The Disney villains attraction that was never built, but might still be by Shelley Valladolid. Thank you for Mice Chat. Do you know Shelley? Yes, I do know Shelly. Oh, really? Oh, yep. cool. Okay. Well, thank you for correcting me on that. Disney Stuck on the Drawing Board, Fire Mountain and Bald Mountain by Joe Natero for Walt Disney World News Today. Four Walt Disney World Attractions That Never Saw the Light of Day by Brian Del Pozo for AllEars.net. The Four Biggest Mistakes in Epcot's World Showcase, also by Brian Del Pozo for AllEars.net. The Mountains of Future Past on Progress City, USA. Epcot's Japanese Showcase That Never Was, and that's on Insights and Sounds. So a whole lot for you to, everybody to read yeah, there. That's quite a, <laughs> quite a, quite a few um, references that you, that you poured through. So thank you, Michael. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. Oh, there were even more. I think I sent you the complete list, oh, but wow. these are the ones <laughs> I actually drew from. So, um. But anyway, so Mary Jo, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I really enjoyed talking to you. And I always learn something when when I come on the shows or even when I listen to the shows, because this is my Sunday morning routine is listening to connecting with Walt. So, Oh, thank you. When when we come out on time, yes. (laughs) (laughs) But... um, Anyway, but thank you. Yeah, and I know you'll be back again in a couple of weeks for a very special show that I am planning right now. So, um, so Mary Jo, until next time, how can our listeners connect with you? Um, the best way to get hold of me is run into me at Disneyland in July. <laughs> but if you're not going to be there, you can um, reach me on Facebook. Uh, my name on the uh, Facebook is Mary Jo Mulatto Willie, or you can find me on the disboards.com under Mar- webmaster Mary Jo. And okay. I, I do have Twitter and Instagram, but I don't really post on them. Okay. You can send me messages at Michael bowling at, uh, at disneyinfo.com. Twitter, I'm at mbowling121. Facebook, Bowling dash connecting with Walt. Instagram, michaelbowlingthediz. And you can connect with me and Craig uh, and Mary Jo on Twitter at ConnectingWalt. If you would like to listen to more shows on the history of Walt Disney, his studio, his Imagineers, and Disneyland, check out our Disneyland podcast archives for my Disney history episodes on the link Craig includes in our show notes or at disunplug.com. And look for past episodes of Connecting with Walt on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Pandora, and Amazon podcasts, where you can subscribe to our show and leave some positive reviews and ratings when possible. So thank you for making us a part of your day. And remember, I only hope that we don't lose sight of one thing, that it was all started by a man, Walt Disney, and his brother, Roy.